talking about evangelism and how the church should do it. Uh, and at the root of it is how I do it. That we have to learn and take courage to talk about Jesus with our neighbors, with our friends and family, and at work, wherever really. Give us half a chance, and as long as it's not forced and awkward, we will enthuse. Yeah? And so to help that, we thought it would be good this Christmas just to have some literature available. And uh, we've gone for three. The, the one in the middle, and they haven't arrived. Great, isn't it? You, they say 48 hours delivery, and then, you know, nearly a week later. Anyway, not, not nearly a week, but long enough. Um, and they, these are booklets. And, and the idea for this is that next week when you bring your guests that uh, we just want them to, to offer something to take away, particularly those that want to think further. So this is Greg Scrivener, um, Four Kinds of Christmas, and uh, so that they will be available. That, uh, we, and that if your friend comes and... What I do, you see, I say... That if I'm not, I'm, I'm, well, this morning I will say, look, I'm going to stand by the door, you know, like vicars do, and do this. But if you shake my right hand, in my left hand, I'll have the leaflets, which will explain and enrich something that you've heard. If, you, if what you've heard has helped, take a leaflet. So you shake this hand and you take one out of this hand. But that, that's so many people. But there may be somebody that you've brought. You think, oh, can I, what, do, you want, do you want that little book? So that, that's the one in the middle. Um, and as with, particularly with that one, don't be caught in possession of it in Christmas Eve. Right, this is not a bookmark. This is not to go on your shelf. Right? This is not so that you can kind of say, I've got one. That that if you take one, it's for you to give to somebody to enrich their Christmas. Is that a deal? Right? So don't be caught in possession on Christmas Eve. Um the one on the left is much shorter. Um, Roger Carswell. Roger Carswell's an evangelist, which is really handy, because he talks about things simply and helpfully, but the gospel is always there in a way that is simple to understand. And both the ones on left and right are Roger Carswell. And we just thought, I hope you don't mind, that if you've got other stuff for, for this week in, in, in the coffee shop, but, you know, you could kind of put one on the table or, or wherever. And uh, if you want, the, I, I've put some out on, on the the desk on the left as you go out, so you can have a look at them. And if they're, oh, I'd like one of those for so well, take it. Just don't be caught in possession on Christmas Eve. Uh, and then the one on the left, again, is Roger. Um, and it's just readable, just the Christmas story and why and how and what, and just handy. And uh, so we, we thought, if it's possible, just to shove one of those in the, in, in the, the sheet next week or something. But just so that we have, just to make the conversation more easy. And if you've got any handbag and you know that when you go to the laundrette, don't do that in Thornhill, do they? Do you know what I mean? Or, where, or Sainsbury's. You know, that you've, it's just to help us talk enthusiastically about Jesus. And the rest of them will be here during the week. Um, I want to, a text without a context is a pretext. So I just want to read the verses again. I'm going to read from John 1, verse 1, just down to where we ended, verse 18. Just to put the picture, because this is familiar. You hear this every Christmas. Here we go again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Lord, we've heard the words before. We pray for the work of your Spirit in our hearts that we might get it in a a way that we haven't before. Will Will you, Lord, open my eyes? Will you cause for room in my heart to receive the Lord Jesus freshly and fully for his glory's sake. Amen. I'm, I'm glad I was given this week. This is a little bit selfish of me. Um, I, but I'm, I'm glad I'm not doing next week because cause next week is about tea towels on children's heads. Do you know what I mean? And uh, donkeys and uh, stars and angels and stuff. And uh, it's good to have an opportunity before all that lot starts to lay, to do a bit of theology, to, to, to get some clarity on what it's all about. I, I, I'm with Cromwell on this, really, that I, I'm not sure this, this church calendar idea is a brilliant idea. Because what it means is that we do Christmas at this time of year, and a lot of that is kind of tea towels on kids' heads. But we don't do Christmas the rest of the year. I I remember in an open season of worship once, I think it was in August, may have been July, when somebody in, in, in their zeal and enthusiasm started to sing, Oh, come, let us adore him. Do you know what I mean? And I was looking over my shoulder for Father Christmas. It just didn't feel right. Because we do Christmas then. And we tend not to preach on incarnation the rest of the year. And it's just, just really important that we get it and not just tea towels on kids' heads. So that I, I want to kind of try and address that a little bit um, this morning because and, and I, I, I'm going to just do some theology. That's good, isn't it? Or, or is that boring? Have, have you, is, does, is that like somebody that comes and says, I, I want to teach you a little bit of computer coding? Do you know what I mean? Is it in the same category in your head? Or, or even worse, I want to explain pensions to you. Do, 
Do you know the feeling? I mean, how awful is that? I, I have a 20-second countdown on my head. As soon as anybody mentions that, and after 20 seconds, my brain dies. And they can see my eyes glazing over because it's just boring. It's just nonsense. It's just heavy. I don't do that kind of... It, when, so when I say theology, is that what comes to mind? Because actually, it's not boring at all. Theology is the truth about God, and that is absolutely wonderful, isn't it? It's thrilling. <laughs> do, do you know, there's something very exciting about theology the deeper you go in. You never thought about that before, have you? Because, uh, you know, and, and Christmas is you know, lots of good stuff. It's about family and feasting and festivities, that's three Fs, and presents and parents can't think of the other one. Um, but listen, th- there's nothing about Christmas that comes near to what we're going to look at this morning. That nothing. There's nothing. It's like tinsel. And, uh, you know, you've been to Sainsbury's and you've paid a ridiculous amount of money for that bauble that's hanging. Do you know that one? And uh, you thought it was nice until I've just trashed it this morning. That... If that's Christmas, we're missing a wonder, an absolute wonder. So that's what I want to do this morning, because it's that, uh, you know, to the angels, do you remember the angels? When the shepherds were in the field, and it was so spectacular to them that they came halfway down. They couldn't, they just had to come and look. And there's a host of them. I don't know how many that is. That's a lot of angels, a gaggle. And their the, the glory to God in the heart. They were really excited. And then the, the, another of these characters turned up with Mary. Do you remember Mary in, in Luke chapter 1? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I'm sure that Mary said, wow. She did not say, oh yeah, did she? I mean, there's something really thrilling here. And even Joseph got in on the act. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to call him, give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Wow! The virgin will, cons- will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Wonderful! Ah! Because that's theology. I, just in case you got the wrong idea, that it's all about what, who God is and what is done. And the... the, the, the the, the phrase in verse 14 that we begin with, and the word became flesh. Uh, sorry, Phil Marshall, if you're listening to this, the, uh, the, the title you gave, it was a heresy. It's an old one. It goes back to about the third century. He said the word in flesh. I'm going to, uh, I'll correct him on that one, just in the hope that he's listening. Because verse 14, and the word became flesh is amazing 
One of the commentators said that what we've just read from verse 1 to 18, what's called the prologue of John's gospel, the, the kind of setting the scene, he said, once you get to verse 14, you've got there. Everything else in John's gospel is working out what is in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So that, that's, that, there we are. So I, I want to just unpack that theologically. And I've got three very theological questions. You're panicking already, aren't you? Y- your eyes are just beginning to flutter and turn. These are the questions. Who on earth came? How on earth did he come? And why on earth did he come? Who on earth came? The, the, it, the, the word became flesh. The Greek word is logos. Funny that he should start. Why didn't he just say Jesus came? <laughs> Odd, isn't it? The word, what's all this word stuff about? Um, but, and, uh, but the word in the Greek mind was something that came from somebody that really represented them. It was almost as if it was a part of the one who had spoken, pronounced it. So then the, the word became flesh. There's some, someone, something from God has come and m- revealing, communicating, representing and being. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that in verse 17, that word is now identified It says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the one. Who has come? Who on earth has come? Well, Jesus has has come from the Father as the being of of God from the Father. And then it goes on in Matthew, doesn't it? This this idea of Emmanuel, that that this, this person has come from God being God, revealing, communicating God to us. Ah, do, do you remember Alan's Worms? Do you, do you remember Alan's Worms? If you weren't here a fortnight ago, you missed something, a, a beauty. Alan broke down on the motorway. Is he here this morning? There's the man with the worms. Right. <clears throat> Now, I, I need to develop the theology of Alan's worms. Alan said that he broke down on the motorway, leaning against, got out of his car, sensible chap, leaning on the fence and saw these worms making their way from the, the bank onto the hard shoulder, heading for the other side. And, and like a good co- Christian, he felt compassion for the worms. Because he knew that before they got halfway across the first carriageway, um, a, a juggernaut will have spread them, right? So there was a sense of compassion in Alan Quan's heart for the worms. Honorable, you know, you know well done. <coughs> Actually, the theology of the worms is even more amazing than that. It's as if Alan kind of went through a metamorphosis and in order to warn the worms, in order to prevent the worms, in order to give a sense of escape, the man became a worm. But 
That's the Christmas message. It takes Alan's analogy a step further. Alan Cran loved the worm so much he became one. No, you don't need to comment and discuss that with him afterwards. I, I can see that that could be humiliating for him, but we, we won't go any further there. And, and the truth of it is that Jesus existed before he was born. By the way, you didn't. Jesus did. He was the word that came from the Father and became flesh. And verse 15 it's just amazing. It's one of those verses you think, I wonder how that worked. Look at verse 15. It's in brackets. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is of he of whom I said, He comes after me. He ranks before me because he was before me. Now, John is a kind of cousin to Jesus. I, I, I don't, how did he know that? He he got an insight from somewhere. It must have been talking to Jesus. Did the cousins kind of play on the swing together? And and was was John intrigued? And did, did that question come out of his mouth? Jesus, who are you? I mean, because there would have been something slightly different about Jesus. And but somehow John came. The penny dropped for John, and and John said, "You." You are preeminent before me. So he's talking here that, uh, that, that there's an absolute precedence. But then he says that there's a temporal precedence. He says, you were before me. I mean, John, can, can I remind me, the gospel. Who was born first, John or Jesus? John. So how on earth? Do, do, do we get verse 15? John knew that Jesus was before John was born. That's what we call pre-existence. Was it cousin talk? We don't know. But John goes on then in verse 14 to say that he came and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The, the dwelt is tabernacled. It, it's, a, it's an Old Testament kind of reference. It, to us, oh, he dwelt among us. No, no. When a Jew is reading this, or a Greek-speaking Jew, it would point straight back to Moses. When the children of Israel are walking through the desert, and they're following a pillar of fire and a tent. It's all wrapped up. But when they park for the night... They put this tent up and this, this visual cloud or flame locates itself in this tent, this tabernacle. And that, that, that's where God was. And occasionally they, they would stand outside their tent looking and seeing glory around the tent. It's only Moses and his mate that could go there. But there was this glory. Now that's what's referenced here. That he camped among us. He, he, this is what John is saying. That he pitched his tent. There were glimpses of glory. They called it the Shekinah. And here John is saying that when Jesus was enfleshed, when he became human, that, that, that the glory of God was resonant. A bit like Mount of Transfiguration, remember? That there was a glimpse of glory. 
But here they're saying it, it happened here. And it's all telling us that we're dealing with God at Christmas. It's God who came at Christmas. It's explicit in verse, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. God has come. Superior to Moses and John the Baptist. And it's almost as if Jesus is saying, you haven't seen God? You have now. And this baby, and the, 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 the clip was brilliant, that, that we're dealing with nothing less than God here. The, the, the old liberals, associates, you know, people that just got threw their Bible out, that just kind of came out, oh, well, you know, Jesus was such a good man and such a good teacher. He was promoted to God. He started off as a man and then, like, like Caesar Augustus, kind of arrived. No. No, 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 no. Jesus was God and arrived. That who on earth came? God came. A man became God. God revealed himself, brought his presence, became knowable. So the question, who is this? If John the Baptist did ask that on the swing, it's just a huge question I have to answer with a sense of wonder that the creator came the creator came that the ruler of the universe became real here it's a transforming perspective it makes the bauble you bought in Sainsbury's look incredibly insignificant God came among us ah wonderful that's the first theological question. The second one, how on earth did he come? Now we use this, this word incarnate. Carne, bit of Latin, flesh. In, pretty much the same as in English. So it just means that he came and became flesh. It's mind-blowing. How did he do that? How, 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 come on, you're a, a couple of scientists here. Somewhere. He's right, there's one. Are you a scientist or an adzeopsy man? Scientist. Well, you know, Jonathan's bound to know, but probably not. Should you call her an elder, an adziopsy man? Anyway, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? How could God become fully man? He didn't have two minds. He didn't have a human mind and a God mind. He didn't have two memories. A God memory and a, and, a, and a man memory. God became human. It's incomprehensible. But can I just say, in case Richard Dawkins has been whispering in your ear, the fact that it's incomprehensible to you does not mean it's wrong. Because you're thick and you're not God. And if I don't, if I can't understand and rationally get my head around this, which I cannot, that doesn't in any way invalidate it. I'd be arrogant to assume that it did. It's what the theologian, you know, you're a theologian. I'm not a theologian, but if I was, you know, they, they come up with, I don't understand that. Let's give it a complicated name. This is the hypostatic union. Do you like that? So impressive. They just call it that because they don't, can't explain it. All we know is that God became man. 
He, he wasn't, and this is why Phil Marshall was wrong. It isn't God in flesh. It's God becoming flesh. He, he wasn't pretending. He wasn't God peeping out through the eyes, right? He, that Jesus didn't become a kind of Star Trek android that looked like a, a person but wasn't really. He, not a humanoid alien, right, or a hybrid or a Martian in disguise, that he, he really did become human. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't seeming to be human. He, he wasn't that, you know, if you just caught him on a bad day, sneak up behind him and poked him in the ear, there was nothing there. He, he wasn't an apparition. How did he come? He came fully human, a human nature that the the phrase is very stark and blunt word became flesh as one man said commentator he made our creatureliness creaturely weakness his very own form of being is Emmanuel he is God fully man and that's why you know God was in Christ 2 Corinthians 5, reconciling the world to himself. He, he really did come. C.S. Lewis called this the grand miracle. The grand miracle. What a great shame. We only talk about it at Christmas. This is the most amazing event that the world ever experienced. God came down and dwelt among us. As the hymn writer puts it, God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. Lo, in a manger lies he who built the starry skies. we, We had a couple of days in Tenby in a friend's flat. If you've got a flat in Tenby, I'll be your friend. I... I I, I, I just need to confess my sins. I suck up to people with holiday cottages. <coughs> anyway, we were staying with our friend. And if you could have the next slide on. No, not that one. Next one. Oh, no, you lost one. What are you done with it? Oh. Try and see if you can find the Mitel Green quote. Otherwise, I'll just read it. This is what my... This is Michael Green. It's in a book that Liz was reading, and she was just, as she does, she's reading this book on theology, and uh, she gets to a passage and says, oh, listen to this. And, and, and Michael Green is talking about that, those verses in Philippians 2. Um, Though he was in the form of God, he did not account, account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being in the likeness of men. Uh, and this is what Michael Green says. He's a rector of somewhere in Oxford. He's a thicker kind of bloke. Those are among the oldest words in the New Testament, composed within 20 years of the death of Jesus. They embody a staggering claim. Think of what they're saying. First, that Jesus shared the very nature of God Almighty. He was the only one in all history who actually chose to be born into this world. He humbled himself by becoming one of us. And that must have been about as attractive 
as if he were to become a rat or a slug or one of Alan's worms. The indescribably mighty Lord shrinks himself to become a fertilized egg in a girl's womb. Get that. The indescribably mighty Lord shrinks himself to become a fertilized egg in a girl's womb. That and no less is the Christian claim. You must evaluate it carefully to see if you find it credible. And make no mistake, that and nothing less is the claim. Jesus is no witty rabbi, no wandering prophet, but God Almighty voluntarily limiting himself to share our humanity in order, among other things, to show human beings what he is like and how much he loves them. It is staggering how on earth he came. It's humbling, it's wonderful that God became a fetus. Happy Christmas. He's, he came to introduce God to me. He came so that I might see God and meet him here. He makes an absolute claim, the only son. There's only one way to the Father. David Cameron can say whatever he likes. They can teach whatever they like in the schools. They will not change this. Only Jesus came as God into a world as a human being. Who on earth came? How on earth did he come? Why did he come? See, the answer in the verses that we've got is that it wasn't just the wise men who were giving gifts. That of his fullness, he came bearing gifts. And, and verse 16 <clears throat> literally means grace replacing grace. It's funny, isn't it? I, I've got the ultimate exposition of grace. Um, imagine that I'm your close friend. In fact, I'm more than a friend. I'm a benefactor. And I'm so fabulously rich that one morning I turn up outside your door with a Ferrari. Insured, taxed. Do you tax a Ferrari? Uh, how do you know? Uh, anyway. <clears throat> and full of petrol. And I say, they're the keys. Great. Uh, and you say, I just thought I got. no, no, it's Grace. Have it. So you, everybody walks around Thornhill with, you know, with their gobs open while you drive around in your Ferrari. But the trouble is, you know, it's, it's a kind of, the weather's not great, and uh, the petrol goes down, and the windscreen washer goes down. And so you say, David, where's the, where, where's the petrol cap? And I say, don't worry about it. So I turn up the next day with a new Ferrari, full of petrol. And what's even more impressive, the, the screen wash is full. Grace is replacing grace. And that's how Jesus has dealt with us. He's just kept giving. My mother's 94, lives up in the north of England, and, and our daughter Joy, for the last few years, you know, because, you know, what do you give somebody who's 94? And so she gives her a bag full of 12 bars of chocolate. 
And uh, on each bar of chocolate, she writes the month. And, uh, you know, Happy Christmas, Grandma. Now, the fact that by March they've all gone, you know, <laughs> the, the idea was that she would peel into a bar of chocolate once a month. Fat chance. The problem for, for Grandma is that the chocolate's gone after a matter of weeks. Grace hasn't gone, has it? That it's grace replacing grace. Grace piled on top of grace. Undeserved, uninvited, and uninitiated by us. It's God's kindness, it's his embrace, his warmth. And he came to rescue us, to reconcile. We have a serious problem. God has a serious problem with us. We've offended him. That we have done all sorts, and you, I have, you have, everybody's included. And Jesus came to sort it out. He came to bring forgiveness and cleansing and restoration and heaven. That's why he came. And it's, he, he doesn't do it because we deserve it. He, he does it because we couldn't do it. We could not sort out the mess. It needed a man to do it, but we are all part of the problem. So he's not part of the problem, and he came to sort the problem. And there's another interesting word. I said I was being theological. That at the end of verse 18, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. It's the kind of word that if you were in a preacher's class, that they would kind of talk about exposition or exegesis. It's, it's where you take something apart and explain it in detail. And John says that Jesus came to expound God to you and I. To in all manner of detail to explain God so I really knew him. Isn't that wonderful? That Jesus has come to make God known to me. This is God. He's like this, pointing to himself. It, it means that we, we see things differently. It's rather like one of Alan's worms who realizes that mud is not the limit. And mud is not the limit. Dust is not the limit. We have been made sons and daughters of the Most High through faith in Jesus. You, you, there are some aspects of this that we can't answer and only wonder. As one commentator said, Christmas can only be understood as a wonder. Christmas can only be understood as a wonder. And with a measure of adoration and awe and worship and amazement, God left, God came, God did all that. It's all about incarnation and hypostatic union and pre-existence. It's a wonder. It's a wonder. And the wonder is that he came for me. The wonder is that Jesus came to reveal God to me and you. 
He, he didn't come for humanity as a whole. He came for humanity one at a time. And uh, that uh, this whole sense of having, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, making God visible, that Paul writes in, in Timothy 6 to say that he who dwells in unapproachable light, that the fact that you and I can know that God and be brought into relation, had to have had our eyes opened to peek through the curtain of the tent and see his glory. Oh, that's Christmas. That, that's why Christmas trees don't cut it, isn't it? Isn't it? Let's bow our heads together. Lord, we, 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 we almost feel that we should apologize for making Christmas something else. That you should leave heaven and become an unborn baby in a girl's womb. That you didn't just come in flesh, you became flesh. You became a human. You walked, talked, suffered, died, rose, took our humanity with you back to heaven so that we can go there too. It is a wonder. 